Welcome to this episode of the This Is Believe When podcast. I am your host, James Mistrucci, and I am joined by Jordan Cohen because we're talking Browns. Welcome back, Jordan. Thanks, James. How's it going, man? It is going great. Um, took a little bit of a break. You know, sometimes you need a little bit of a break. But, you know, there's been some Browns-related stuff coming up over the past week or so, and I thought this would be a great time for us to sit down and kind of discuss some things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's getting to that point in the summer where everybody's kind of like, all right, football season is coming. So, Yeah, once we get inside that 100 days to the week one mark, everyone starts being like, okay, football's getting closer, getting a little bit closer. Right. And each day, everyone just gets a little bit more excited. But I figured we would start with um, the big trade that happened over the weekend, with Julio Jones going from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans. And the reason I bring this up is because whether it was real or valid or whatever, a lot of people were trying to float the Browns out there as a possible landing spot for for Julio, and I, I never thought it made a whole lot of sense, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people were really overestimating or underestimating how much it would cost to get Julio and whether or not he could actually fit on the roster without having to make a whole bunch of other changes. Because I saw some people with suggestions of having Julio, Odell, Jarvis, and whoever, you know, basically just adding Julio to the mix where I think the only way they could have got him was to subtract somebody substantial. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, look at the Titans. I mean, obviously it may change without Arthur Smith there, but Mm -hmm. my gut is they run a very similar kind of that zone blocking team offense, very similar to what the Browns do. The Titans don't have a number one receiver, right? Well, they didn't. They they have good receivers. I mean, I like Um, A.J. Brown. I love A.J. Brown, but, like, I don't think A.J. Brown is an X. And He's not. Julio Jones is an X. And yeah. so, like, for them it makes sense because they're still only going to have two to three receivers on the field. They're not going to mm-hmm. have more than that. So with the Browns, I mean, if you have Julio Jones, Jarvis, and Odell Beckham, you're pretty much pinning yourself to having three receivers on the field at all times. Correct. Which means only one tight end or two tight ends and no running backs. Like, I—, I it was a trade that never made sense for the Browns absent them being, them being able to, or being able slash willing to move on from Jarvis or Odell. My gut is that Jarvis restructures his contract. Mm-hmm. So he'll get another two years guaranteed and take less money, which helps out all parties, right? Cause Browns get them for longer and he costs them less. Mm-hmm. So to me, then the only other guy they would have had a trade was Odell. And I, even after the injury, I still think Odell, could be a better receiver than Julio Jones. Like I think that may have been a downgrade for the Browns. It's possible. It's very much possible uh, from a personnel standpoint. It could have ended up being a downgrade. But the one thing I was really focused on, you, you kind of touched on a little bit, is schematically their offense would change a lot. And that was one of the reasons I was opposed to trying to get Julio Jones onto the roster. Because right. we all know what the strength of the offense is. We all know what the strengths of Baker Mayfield is and what his weaknesses are. What they did last year played into his strengths, which was great. But if you added another like big, big-time wide receiver into the mix, you would be trying to make the team something that they're not. And that's a predominantly passing team. And I think that would end up with disastrous results like we saw under uh, Freddie Kitchens the year before. Yeah, I mean... 
weird given and uh, so let me start by saying i hear the argument that this is baker's real like only time he's had stability sure mm-hmm. understand we have seen what baker looks like unleashed and it's not like a fault or a criticism criticism of baker to say he, he right now has not shown that he can consistently be a 35 plus pass as a game guy yeah he hasn't shown that and so if you get julio jones what you're doing is you're either saying he has to become that which I think backfires, or it could backfire. I think the evidence we have in front of us suggests that it would backfire. Mm-hmm. Or you keep the offense the same as it is and have to deal with one of, I mean, ultimately probably Julio or Odell. I doubt Jarvis would be a locker room issue. But Julio or Odell getting mad they're not getting targets. Or, like, what do you do with Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant? Like, it, it's too many targets. It's our, I mean, it is too much to go around. There, yeah. There's not enough. Uh, and I mean, what are you going to do? Not run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Because I mean, last I've checked, the NFL doesn't have an answer to the two heads of the Browns running attack. They they really don't. They really don't. <laughs> I mean, I just like it's like I mean, I get. I mean, listen, it's a soccer fan, right? Mm-hmm. I get like fans just wanting to collect all of the best players, sure, mm-hmm. but like. I mean, everybody wants to point to the Chiefs, which is unrealistic, but let's just look at the Chiefs, right? They have Tyreek Hill, stud. Yeah. And then they have a bunch of good receivers. Some were high draft picks. I mean, they had Watkins, but like, generally speaking, that offense had enough, like Tyreek Hill got the most, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey got the most targets. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else was kind of secondary tertiary. Yeah. 49ers were the same thing the year they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, Buccaneers are the exact same thing. Like, you only have so many touches a game, and at some point, I think you're spending too much on good players when they're not going to get the most of them because they were not touching the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm in, I'm entirely with you there. I mean, and for most of the teams you just mentioned, the one big difference between you know the Browns and those teams is the the quarterback. The, uh, yeah. Outside of San Francisco, you just mentioned teams with elite quarterbacks, so they can get away with having, you know, the one or two guys. Not that they do. I mean, the Bucks' offense is loaded, and so and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are two at the best of their positions. But it's the complementary guys that they just seem to have the right mix of, and just just right. adding more, just adding more top end guys isn't always the answer. Sure, it sounds sexy, it seems awesome. If you're playing Madden, you're unstoppable. But this isn't Madden. This is this is real life, and you need to have the right mix of players. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. So, I suppose you move Odell into more of a slot role and let Julio Jones be the X. Mm-hmm. So, then you have Odell and a tight end, both kind of occupying the slots where's Jarvis right yeah oh so Jarvis isn't playing well Jarvis is your leader and I think if I mean at some point you just have to feed the leader like Chelsea that just won the Champions League Cesar Aspilic what a good player Mm -hmm. not their best player probably not their best starting option at center back but he started because he was the captain right and at some point you just want that leadership on the field and, like, I, I just, at some point, you want Jarvis on the field because of the leadership, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you really do. And as much as some people want to see Jarvis have a lesser role or not even be here, he's a very important figure on the roster. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I have friends that coach, and it's some at fairly high levels, and every one of them says, like, locker room leadership is a thing. It, it is a thing, 
And if you look at like some of this confusion when you're like, well, we don't know why X team that was predicted to do so well didn't do so well, you generally can point to stuff going on in the locker room. Yeah, and it, it seems like, you know, for the most part, Jarvis has been a, a positive in that in that area. I don't think I've heard anything relatively negative outside of towards the end of the, the Freddie Kitchens season. But, I mean, everyone was fed up that year. Uh, although uh, some people do like to uh, point to that year and say, where was his leadership then? Well, nobody was guiding that sinking ship, okay? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, like, and I don't know. I... I don't know what they wanted Jarvis to do in that offense. Like, both the coaching staff and fans. Like, yeah, no kidding, his numbers aren't great in that offense. No kidding. He is not an X receiver, Mm -hmm. ever. That is not his strength. He's not fast enough or athletic enough. So I just don't, I mean, like, I don't, listen, do I think Jarvis would be a locker room issue if he wasn't playing? Absolutely not. I really, I think Jarvis is a leader. I think maybe the summer he would ask for a trade, mm-hmm. but I, I think generally speaking, he would be cool with it. Uh, he wouldn't cause an issue, but like, that's not the problem, right? Yeah. It's not that you're worried about him causing an issue. It's that you want him out on the field. You want him to, like, he is what inspires that locker room to work hard from everything we've read. Maybe it's wrong, right? Like yeah. maybe secretly it's not him, but it seems like enough people connected with the team think it's him. It, it certainly seems like that, that it, or that way at least, that it, and, and, and despite the, the pleas and claims from, from some people, uh, he really is a, a key figure and an important figure on the locker room and on the roster, and it, it really seems like he's holding some people accountable. Yeah, I mean, especially, it's a young roster. Like, mm-hmm. let's just be upfront. It is a young, the core is really young. Most of these guys aren't even on their second contracts. Yeah. So you need some veteran guidance to be like, hey guys, like this is what consistently winning looks like, right? We made the playoffs last year. We got, we have to make them again this year. You need guys that have done it before. Mm-hmm. And I know, I guess this was Jarvis's first year of really doing it, but I feel like, in college, he did it. I think he knows what winning looks like. Mm-hmm. He does. And, I, like, Julio Jones does, too. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. like, Julio Jones isn't the same type of character as Jarvis. Like, he's not that leader type. And maybe Baker becomes that. But Baker's got to be better to become that. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, everyone likes to point towards the quarterback as being, that's the leader. Well, there's a certain level of talent level or, or skill level required to be that leader guy and if a guy doesn't have it, people just won't listen. And right. Well, it's and, awful. I agree. And to go back to, to Jarvis for a second, uh, a lot of people like to state that this, you know, that everything, all the good things like off the field, culture-wise, the team be going in the right area is directly uh, resulted to the coaching staff and GM. And credit where credit is due, they did a good job of, taking something that was been in the toilet for a long time and, you know, got it out of it. But like everyone knows that had a job or has been in school, as soon as the boss or the person in charge gets out of the room, people are going to talk. And you need somebody who is not in one of those authoritative roles to have a voice or have a sense of leadership to guide people. And I think that's where Jarvis falls into. 
Right. I mean, I think a coach, the best thing I've heard is, as a coach, you need to control the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. As a coach, there's a lot of things you can't control, right? Like, I think Ty Lue, as far as a man-managing coach, is one of the best in the world, period. Like, I think he really gets star players. Yeah. I think what Ty Lue gets more than anything is he needs to control the hour to two there at practice and then the plays and stuff during the game to whatever degree he feels necessary. But outside of that, like Ty Lue doesn't tell Kawhi to go to practice eight times a day, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't tell Paul George to bring young guys with him to practice uh, when they're down against the Mavericks in the playoffs. Like, that is player-driven. And Stefanski, I think what he did best was trust the players, which means Jarvis. Yeah. So, I know we went down a, a Jarvis rabbit hole again, but uh, it seems <laughs> like we do just about every time we talk. Uh, but for the Titans, how do you think this really impacts uh, their season outlook? I mean, listen, I think the Titans are a good team. I, I think I've always thought they're a good team. I think Tannehill is... Like, in this weird spot where people either overrate him or underrate him. But I think he's a really good quarterback. I I think the best version of Baker looks somewhat like a Ryan Tannehill. And is that a guy that can win you a Super Bowl by himself? No. But is it a guy that, like, where Tannehill's different is he's consistent. Mm -hmm. But if Baker could become consistent, I don't think we'd see, like, the high levels we saw at the end of last year. But I think it would be, like, that level of consistency, which is a— Good 10th, 11th, 12th best quarterback in the NFL, uh, which is good. I, I think that's a good team. I think Derrick Henry is a beast. Mm-hmm. I think they're really going to miss Arthur Smith. But, I mean, I don't know. I think they're a good team. I think Julio Jones helps. I They're, they're a good team. They pose matchup problems. They've always posed matchup problems. Julio Jones does not change their offense like he would change our offense because – he really will slot in right next to A.J. Brown. Yeah. And they will still run the ball as much. They'll still run as much heavy sets as they always do. I just, I don't really know. Like, I think the AFC is pretty open this year. I still think the Chiefs are a class ahead, especially now that they're getting uh, offensive line help or now that they got offensive line help. Yeah. But I, I do think the Ravens, Browns, and Titans all could beat the Chiefs. Uh, and know, the Bills, and, too. Uh, yeah, on the, right, the, right, yeah. the right day, right circumstances, anything can certainly happen. Um, personnel-wise, I think it gets the Titans offensively to a, a, a skill set that's comparable to what the Browns have with having yep, Brown and, and Julio as their receivers and having the dominant running back, you know, Henry in Tennessee and Chubb in Cleveland. So I think it's a very similar offensive group, which I think is kind of interesting. Two teams yeah, I think the Browns have a better groups. offensive line, um, yeah. which helps. But, like, yeah, I agree. They're very similar. They Again, if the new guy calls plays like Arthur Smith did, it, it will be actually eerily similar offenses. I mean, we saw when the Browns played the Titans this year. Like, that game was just two teams doing the exact same stuff, and the Browns won. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, when you ever – if you ever went on to Madden and just put it on CPU versus CPU and watched the game just play each other with the same team – Right. It's, it's kind right. of funny. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it was like. And listen, I remember that game. Like, Nick Chubb was more unstoppable than Derrick Henry was. And at the end of the day, Baker and Tannehill performed pretty similarly, and Chubb won the game. And I, I think this helps 
maybe Tannehill would look better now. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope that given how Baker ended the season, he looks better too. I, I think they're very similar teams. I They're a team that if you go up early against, I think you beat. Um, I don't know if I feel more comfortable with them and like facing them in the playoffs than I do the other teams. I have to see it, but I think their offense is going to be good. I think they'll have a good offense. I think they'll have a really good defense and they're well coached. Yeah. I I think uh, Tennessee swapping out Corey Davis and replacing him with Julio Jones is a massive upgrade. (laughs) Oh, it is. It is. No, that offense is going to get better. I mean, I was never a Corey Davis fan. I don't know about you. I was just like, man, this guy's got just, I don't want to say bust, but under underwhelming player written all over him, and that's what he kind of turned into. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's uh, – A.J. Brown is phenomenal. But beyond him, like, I feel like that's who the Titans have drafted at receiver the past two decades. Like, these guys that end up being good um, every once in a while, like, they get a really good one. But mm-hmm. generally, like, they're good, but they're underwhelming. Yeah, like it's it's funny when you look at the history of the Tennessee Titans and you're like, who was the last like legitimately good receiver the Titans had? And I'm like, Derek Mason. Yeah. I mean, so probably like, almost twenty years ago. Yeah. You you think so, of some of the like, guys they like, had there? You think like Justin Gage? I'm like, ugh. Yeah, and I mean, even though they're good teams, they either had really good quarterbacks like Steve McNair, mm-hmm. or just beast running games. Yeah. It, it, was... it was never the passing game because of the receivers. Mm-hmm. So this will be an interesting year for them, I think. I, I think the Ravens are... I, I know how good Lamar Jackson is. And I, I think people that say he sucks or isn't a good quarterback are just dumb. Um, but I, like, if... I mean, by the way, I don't know if you heard the Browns drafted Jock. Um, <laughs> and... It, 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 <laughs> If, if if he's as good as I think he's going to be, I think the Ravens have serious matchup problems in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I think both the Titans, who, like, the Titans run that dime so much, but they can do it because they just have, like, phenomenal athletes. So it doesn't really, like, their team, where I do think they're playing with linebackers, but the linebackers are playing as cornerbacks, um, mm-hmm. which is, like, really interesting. I, I They're a problem because of that I, the Ravens almost lost them again last year in the playoffs so I the only team I think the Chiefs because of how high powered their offense is have an advantage against the Titans and the Browns yeah so it's all about matchups it's where the seeds fall I mean looking at the the AFC you gotta look at the you know you look at the Browns you look at the Titans look at the Ravens there are three teams that if Whoever they're playing, it gets up by 10 points within the first quarter. It, it could be game over at that moment in time. It really could. Yeah. For me, what scares me about the Ravens, and it constantly does, and I know they keep trying to improve it every offseason, and as a Browns fan, I don't want to see it. As a football fan, I would like to. But that offense is Lamar Jackson or die. It asks a lot of one player. It, it, it really does. Some of that falls back on the scheme. Some of that also falls back on uh, Lamar's not so great development as an actual passer, right? So that just that sort of happens, and yeah, he, he needs to take that next step forward as a passer if that offense is truly going to live up to its potential. Yeah, I agree with that. I 
I mean, they're just they're a weird team to me. I, the Brown, listen, the Browns need to worry about making the playoffs before we talk about yes how they're fair. Um, I mean, you and I have talked about this. I don't think the Browns' schedule is that easy this year. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to retire or what, but my if he plays for Green Bay next year, that game is tough. Mm-hmm. Like we have a lot of obviously the AFC North, and they're all stacked towards the end of the year. Yeah. So I, I don't think the Bears are going to be easy. I, the Browns have to worry about making the playoffs. Um, I and I think the Titans do too. To be fair, mm-hmm. they they both do. I think the Titans have an easier path only because of their division. Uh, well, and I think their offense is just going to be more consistent game to game because of both Tannehill and now their better passing game. Yeah, I agree with the consistency for the Titans' offense. I, I think that it's not going to have as much of a level of a uh, of variance. That's a it's a big uh it's a word you're a big fan of is variance. Oh, it's my favorite uh, word. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have as much variance in their offense compared to teams like the Browns or the Ravens. Right. I, I don't think like I think the high end of the Browns offense is up there with the Ravens and the Chiefs. It just we don't reach it all the time. No. Um I think the low end is like bottom of the NFL low end. It, it basically Baker has a bad game. Um, and then they defense is just stack the box. Yeah, he gets a couple tip passes at the line. Maybe gets a strip sack. Yeah, it, and it, I don't think the Titans do that either. But no, it, it, yeah, I mean I agree. I think like the Titans just don't have to worry about a lot of variance. So I think that makes it easier for them. Yeah, and um, speaking of the Browns and their offense. Uh, Local sports radio and local sports beat reporters had themselves one hell of a couple of days here uh, talking about <laughs> the Browns' offense and how they're skipping OTAs and instead they're going to gather on their own and do their own thing. And Listen, I think it's getting completely blown out of proportion. If this was a year ago, and which they did do this a year ago, but if this was a year ago and <clears throat> the offense was still unproven, the offense was still, you don't know what you're going to get. You didn't have a better picture, a better idea of what the offense was actually going to be. I would be more concerned, but I'm not concerned about this at all. <laughs> no, I don't. I I don't know what the value of OTAs is, right? Because I'm not an NFL player or coach. But the, to me, that stuff has always seemed like very valuable for younger players. Mm-hmm. Less valuable for players that have been in the system before yeah do i think them gathering with baker is going to be beneficial probably not like it's honestly just to keep themselves like in shape for preseason pretty much but i i don't know i i don't find this stuff very important i know people love getting into the weeds with otas and stuff (laughs) but like i mean yeah andrew billings looks like he's about 50 pounds overweight he Whatever. Hasn't played like, me yet. Tommy Tokiai looks like a beast. Right. Like, I I mean, Billings, if he stays that size, he's the nose tackle we've been waiting for. <laughs> like, you just stick him there. Um, but yeah, like, I just, I don't. I think people make way too big of a deal about some of this stuff because they just need stories to report on. Pretty much. Uh, that, that's all it is. I, I mean, if you wanted to, to hear. People argue about this. Cleveland radio uh, was your friend to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I just oh, I don't man. like. I mean, I don't 
what is the argument for this being a big deal? There, there really isn't one that I can think of. Uh, it's mostly people just being like, this is the way it's supposed to be. Or, you know, a real leader would be there for something that's voluntary. I'm just like, you just, you just told me exactly why they weren't there. It's that one word. It's voluntary. <laughs> right. Well, and I also think, it, I know this is not fun to admit as an NFL fan. Mm-hmm. I also think the players are, and I don't know if this is what the Browns are doing, but I, I think the players as a general rule should feel like they can exercise their power to not go to voluntary workouts. And I get that's like not what you want to hear, but if you're an NFL player, what you're worried about is the owners and I guess to a certain extent the television networks exerting more and more influence. And I don't know, like I, I don't I don't have an issue with Joel Batonio being like or jc treader being like listen we're not going because it's voluntary and we're players and we want to show that like we honor our contracts and you have to honor ours too Mm -hmm. i think almost it may be better from a leadership standpoint that the browns offense didn't go to otas to be honest with you that they stayed unified yeah uh, i agree with that 100 percent. and something else to take into consideration um is that you know this season they got the extra game in the schedule this is just more right. wear and tear on the body. And, I mean, for, you know, the veteran guys, I mean, it, it makes, like, no sense to go. But I can understand for some of the younger guys, especially the way that last year's college football season was and was abbreviated, that maybe getting just a little bit of work to just knock some of the rust off is a good idea for, like, the rookies or the guys that maybe sat up last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I think that – I don't know. I just – I don't feel – this great sense of concern. Like there are things this season I'm concerned about, right? Like, yeah, I, I I think the defense looks a lot better. I think the defense is really young. Mm I, I, I am not worried about JOK being able to fit into the defense. I am worried that it seems like we're asking Newsom to be a starting cornerback. And like, I like Newsom a lot, but that's a big position to ask a guy to start in. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are things on the offense I'm concerned about. One is I think the offense got predictable towards the end and it didn't matter because we were just executing at a really high level. But I mean, come game one this season, teams are going to have adjusted. The Browns will be scouted out. So if the mm-hmm. Browns are not executing perfectly, they're going to need to make changes. And that concerns me because that takes a lot of time. Yeah. So, and it is something you've said teams that run this specific type of offense traditionally struggle in the second year. Yeah. Cause they, they need to innovate. And then by the third year they're back again. But like, this is a traditional second year where like, I, I am worried that the Browns will not be prepared to deal with how they're scouted out. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I think Stefanski's awesome. And maybe Stefanski knows all this and knows these trends and is figuring out ways around this problem, which I think basically involve, different play action sets and more gap scheme uh, just like occasionally, even if it's just with Kareem Hunt. So, but, but that takes a lot of time to implement like play action. Everybody's like, why don't teams run more play action? Why don't teams run more play action? Like guys, because it's the most difficult concept to run. Like to run well, it needs to look like all of your run plays. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be able to execute really quickly to take advantage of the misdirection. So I, I think it, I don't know. That's what I'm worried about. Baker not showing up to voluntary workouts is like 
number 45 on my list of concerns about the Brown season this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if Baker was dumpster fire Baker from Freddie Kitchens, I would be concerned about him not being there. But Agreed. It, it seemed like he found a certain level for the most part. He was still inconsistent from time to time, but it seemed like we have a good idea of what his baseline general performance week in, week out is going to be. And with the offense that they run, it, it, it caters to his abilities. So I'm not sitting here being like, I'm going to die on the hill if Baker needs to be here. It's I know what he is for the most part. I'm, there might be a little bit of stuff we still haven't uncovered yet, but I'm pretty confident I have a good idea of who he is. Yeah, like, I, I know Baker's inconsistent. Like, we've talked about this. I think on Twitter, I remember we've gotten in arguments, and, like, people have called us Baker haters. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I think we both acknowledge Baker is, like, fine. Like, yeah. His highs are really high and his lows are really low. Like, he's inconsistent. But to me, it's like, I, I think Baker grasps the offense. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think he grasps the offense about halfway through last season. And then we started seeing the highs. I am not worried about Baker having to come and learn 20 to 30 new plays. That, that to me, like, he can do that. That's not a concern to me. Yeah. It's just not. Like, if he was a rookie quarterback or coming into a totally new offense, I would be concerned. I would be like, yeah, Baker, you got to be there. Because you need to learn the offense. But it's the same offense, probably with a few changes. I don't know. Like that, Him knowing the offense is not my concern. Because it really seems like he has a good grasp of everything. I mean, And they're not going to be like, hey, remember everything we did last year? Well, we're throwing that in the garbage. And we're going to give you a whole new offense. That's not a thing. That's not going to happen. Right. And if they were going to do that, they would have told Baker that. Right? And that would have come out in the media. Because the Browns seem to find a way to like leak all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. So... We would know they're not changing the offense, not drastically, anyways. The idea is going to be the same: it's personnel gonna... advantage, run, play action. Yeah, pretty much. We're not going to see them out here trying to run the Chiefs' offense, despite pleas from many fans on Twitter and some people who write about the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to see a completely new offense and them not be who they truly are, and that's. The Browns are, we know who the Browns are. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you, did you see Terry Pluto had an article? I think it was Terry Pluto, maybe somebody else, about the Browns' defense this year. And, like, the crux of the article is that the Browns are going to do what, like, all of these teams do where they play with three safeties or six cornerbacks. And it's like, and then it's like JOK central to this because he's a safety. It's like, no, he's not. Like, it, he may be positioned as a safety. He is playing as a linebacker. And you and I keep talking about this, and it's just like, Listen, guys, like, look at the Rams defense for what the Browns are going to be. Don't, like, go look at the Chiefs and be like, or the Buccaneers and be like, yeah, see, or the Ravens or any, like, hey, see, look, like, they play with six cornerbacks. Like, that's not what the Browns are doing. And and it's the same with offense. And that, to me, is just frustrating. It's like, people are way overthinking this. I mean, and we've discussed this before, and and people really think, or are really talking about these, uh, this three safety uh, spinoff of the Seattle defense, and you, we, I, everyone knows how I feel about this. I, the Seattle defense has been dying for half a decade now, and they had yeah. some of the best players over the past ten to fifteen years in that defense. Yeah, Browns have improved, yeah, I mean, but they don't have that. They arguably had the best cornerback, the best safety, and the best linebacker of a generation on one defense. Yeah, that's how you can run that that defense. I mean, yeah. It, well, and like again, again, like JOK may position is a safety. 
He is a linebacker. He yes. will do things that linebackers do from the safety position. People get confused. Like the Seahawks defense is the opposite, where you have safeties positioned as linebackers. Yes. Um, that is not what the I, – I, listen, maybe it is what the Browns do. I, I can't imagine that's what the Browns are going to do. And it's a key difference. And we've discussed this. They wouldn't have signed – they wouldn't have drafted Greg Newsom and signed Troy Hill and signed John Johnson and, and, and done it this way if they were going to do some three-safety. Right. Defense, right, exactly. because you, you look at you, the plan is to start Newsom. The plan is to have Hill be the third, you know, nickel slot corner, whatever you want to call him. You still got Denzel Ward, so that's three corners right there. Then if you got to somehow throw three more safeties into the mix, you're going to come out and base dime. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. I mean, <laughs> no. Like there are teams with the te- like. I think the Rams ran a lot of dime last year because they just had so much talent in that secondary. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't base, right? And yeah. they didn't run base nickel. Like the Rams that ran a base three four, and did some really creative things with John Johnson and Troy Hill around Ramsey and Donald. Um, Browns don't have Aaron Donalds. So they're going to run the four three, but it's the same idea. Like it's going to be base four three, and that I I, I mean. Joe Woods, it's his job on the line this year. So I, I, I imagine Joe Woods is going to use four three base and then run a lot of creative stuff within that package. It, but but the the notion that it's going to be three safeties out of the gate is just I think it's nonsense. No, nah, it's not going to be three. Again, I mean I keep seeing now on sort of the new things like JOK may not be ready to start. And like this, and maybe maybe my evaluation of him is totally off, but. He looks to me to be a guy that you kind of just plug in and he'll do good things. And, and let's let's say JOK doesn't start immediately, right? Sure. Let's say he doesn't start immediately. You know who's going to start instead? Any other linebacker. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's maybe they they want the the coverage at you know the pass coverage aspect of JOK that they want out there. Okay, Malcolm Smith's going to start. Okay, or yep. Sione Takitaki. I actually think Taki Taki, I mean, I think Mac Wilson, I pray Mac Wilson gets cut. I think Taki Taki could actually have what's a big year for a player like him. Because he, like, if if JOK does what I think he will as a rookie, mm-hmm. and if the rest of the defense kind of clicks, that means Taki Taki's going to just get a ton of tackles. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just not... Listen, if Mac Wilson's starting, then I'll be on the fire Joe Woods train. But and I, I, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm definitely at the station right now with him, but I'm willing to see see what it looks like before I hop on the train. Um, just I, yeah, JOK may not start. I I think Malcolm Smith's good. I what was a weakness going into the summer, I still think is a weakness, but it's not the same type of weakness. Like I think the linebacker group, it's not like Sandejo's when he was our starting safety last year. Yeah. They, they, so they went out and addressed the position of need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I just like, I, I, I'm really like Tommy Togi. I supposedly looks great, which doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think that people are just overthinking like both the defense and the offense. People are like, think we're going to all of a sudden trot out the, Rams Super Bowl offense with the Seahawks Super Bowl defense. It's like no, like we're not. Yeah, that's just very uh, incredibly unlikely. But you touched on Tommy Togiai for a second, and he, it's kind of a, a segue to the next 
uh, topic one discussion that was Sheldon Richardson. There's a possibility he might come back and at least have him on the radar. Now, let's pretend it happens. That would be fantastic. But, you know, looking just how the team's operated and how they've literally just thrown every possible defensive tackle against the wall to try and make up for his absence, I'm not entirely positive it's going to happen. Yeah, I I mean, I think the Browns would like for it to happen because mm-hmm. I think the Browns realize they have a huge hole at three tech. Yeah. Um, I guess Billings may be the guy, but like I I think the Browns realize they have a hole and I I saw like I think it was Pluto who wrote this article I was talking about, but it may have been somebody else. But this idea that the Browns have a death lineup defense where you have like Garrett Clowney and I don't know the other two, whatever two guys they plug in at defensive tackle for like the super like pass rushing offense or pass rushing defense. Oh jeez, the uh, attack McKinley is it, one end. I, I I don't know, but I again I think like the Browns are only going to do that on some very select plays if they have Sheldon Richardson. I think if they don't have Sheldon Richardson, something like that you use as a is a squirrel. Right, like mm-hmm. because you otherwise you're going to get crushed. So you yeah. run that more and more, and eventually teams adjust. But it gives you coverage a few uh, early on in the season. Um, I just I don't. I think Sheldon Richardson makes it so you don't have to do that stuff. It also makes it so Tommy Togiai isn't starting. Which, from the sounds of it, without Sheldon Richardson, Togiai's starting. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Togiai's a starter. Uh, if if yeah. Richardson doesn't come back, but. I'm looking at all the the moves they've made here. I mean, they they get Billings back. It's not a move, but it's an addition. But Tommy Togiai, they drafted. They signed Malik Jackson. They signed Malik McDowell. They signed Marvin Wilson as an undrafted free agent. They brought in Damian Square. They've obviously realized it's a weakness at defensive tackle, and they signed pretty much anyone they possibly can to fill in. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Togi pick. I love the Marvin Wilson signing. But I've been saying for a long time now, I think defensive tackle was the weakness last year with, or at least Joby was part of the weakness. I thought Richardson was good. But the Browns don't have this dominant defensive tackle, and I don't think you need one. But, I mean, without Richardson, without Joby, I mean, you're starting Billings, who looks like just a nose right now. He's that big, uh, which is fine. And then Malik Jackson, maybe, or Togiai. Like, that's going to be the reason you would start Billings, I guess, is because otherwise you're just going to get run down the middle. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't think Billings has ever had the skills to be a nose, and now he just looks overweight. So now he's going to be a nose because he's overweight. But I don't know. I, Richardson solves a lot of problems in my eyes. He would, and it would give me a little bit more confidence that they're not going to do something stupid like kick Clowney inside and have McKinley be a starter or something like that. Because yeah. that, that would be my all-out nightmare scenario, because we all know how how uh, excited I was that they signed Jadavia and Clowney in the first place, but doing something stupid like Clowney and McKinley at the same time yeah. just seems... Well, and like I don't have any issue with count with sorry with Clowney Clowney starting, not starting with Clowney like on sub packages being a defensive tackle when you yeah. know it's a passing down because he's done well in those situations, but mm-hmm. you can't start him there. Yeah, no. you start him at defensive end. I, I mean, I 
listen, maybe he has another helmet tackle and <laughs> then and then it's great, but I, I just I think he's not going to be as good as Olivier Vernon was last year, which is fine because I think the rest of the defense is better, but all of a sudden you're looking at three positions on the defensive line that are worse, maybe four depending on how Miles Garrett's recovered. Yeah, I mean Just trying to figure out, like, it, the the one position group where it seems like you have certainty with one guy and Miles Garrett, there's pretty much uncertainty with how everything else is going to slot in when they start playing actual games. Right. I mean, I think we saw it two years ago with Freddie Kitchens when everybody was like, oh, well, the offensive line may not be great, but Baker and Odell will make up for it. And then it was like, oh, well, actually, the offensive line really screwed our season. I think last year you saw kind of everybody's like, oh, well, like, you know, Baker will figure it out. And then Baker didn't figure it out until halfway through the season. The first half of the season was really rough. And to me, it's like just one of these other things. Like, there's no justifying that the defensive line isn't looking great. I think Sheldon Richardson makes it look okay. I don't think it is one of the best defensive lines. I don't know if it's one of the top half defensive lines in the NFL. A lot depends on if Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett again. And we just don't know. Yeah, we, we really we really don't know uh, if he is going to be that again. I mean, we all hope so, but he, he looked gassed at the end of the season last year yep. after after COVID. And yeah, so- and I, I mean, it's taken athletes like Russell Westbrook and uh, NBA and Kai Havertz uh, for Chelsea have both said that it took them basically a year to recover. I mean, I don't I don't think it's a guarantee that Garrett is Garrett. I mean, I hope he is. If he is, then I th- I have a lot less of a concern, but mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, then you you know, defensively you seem a little bit more uh I guess less on edge when it comes to the the front the front four. Yeah. Not just the front seven. I mean, they should have never given him that contract. Like, I, I still stand by that. They could have got... I mean, I get you don't want to trade your best players, but I think paying that much money to a defensive end is never smart, mm-hmm. even if they're a great edge rusher. I mean, Miles Garrett's probably a top five edge rusher when he's healthy in the NFL, but that is a lot of money for one position on the defensive line. Yeah, that's fair. That's That's, that's very fair. I mean, I just, I, I, that's why I think getting a guy like Sheldon Richardson, who if we get him, he will probably be underpaid and Clowney for more. Do I think Clowney is underpaid? Not necessarily because I think he probably is getting closer to his value, but he deserves more than like Clowney's talent by itself is worth more than one year. Uh, Obviously the problem is that's not, everything you look at, right? You look at the injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson, Tommy Togiai, Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, like you end up paying less for all that talent, which is good. It's smart. I just, I don't know. To me, the defensive line is my biggest worry. I think the Browns are not going to have a great run defense next year. Oh, uh, you know, that's, that's a very, <laughs> it's a very, very possible thing. I mean, you, you look at who they had as their better run defenders and they're not, here anymore and 
you're looking at who they brought in, and they're not necessarily good run defenders. So, he had a, he had a I mean, Olivier together. Vernon was the best rush run defense. I mean, we've talked about it. Yeah. He was the best run defending defensive end in this game last year, period. Mm-hmm. So, I, this idea that Clowney's going to come in and we're going to be better at run defense is absurd to me. Yeah, absolutely, because he, he, I don't, like, I've said it before, I don't know where he got this reputation as a good run defender, because he's not. He's not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's fine, but like Olivier Vernon was a great run defender, right? Even like who was the guy? Uh, what was the guy before Vernon? Um, they always said he could seal the edge really well. Oh, Agba, Agba, yeah, like Agba sealed the edge. Like, like I, I don't think Agba was nearly as good a run defender as Vernon, but like it's fair. Like he did seal the edge. I don't know that. Like I think that's Clowney's max. Like Clowney seals the edge a little bit, but like. That's the minimum expectation you should have of, on a start for a starting defensive end on a playoff team. Yeah, and you know if let's say Clowney's best job is to or his best trait this year is sealing the edge, uh, a phrase that drove you nuts when you heard it about Emmanuel Agba. Um, yes. <laughs> you're gonna need some some pretty good linebacker play. It seems like they at least improved that group to you know clean stuff up a little bit behind him. Yeah, and I mean. Again, JOK is... I know I keep saying that and it sounds absurd. I think he is kind of the question mark in all of this. If he comes in and plays really, really well, then I think you can survive without a great defensive line. Um, if he struggles or is like good but not great, which I think is actually probably the most likely scenario, mm-hmm. although I do think it, he has a shot at winning defensive rookie of the year. Just like you would be a cheaper bet for me, but I think he has a shot. Um but yeah, like I think like if he's a like, good, not great, then that defensive line's a problem. And I know like uh, Harris is better, but I, we're gonna miss Goodson. But whatever, I, the linebacking group is better, the safety group's better, the cornerback group's better. I, the pass defense is going to be substantially better this year. I have no doubts about that in my mind. I think the run defense is gonna be decent amount worse, and that to me is a little scary because of how our offense works. Yeah, and I, I think when well, I mean, of course, we'll all have a better idea about all of this once they are, you know, start playing games, because mm-hmm. it's just we there are pieces to a puzzle that they have. It seems like some of them are going to fit, but not all of them are going to fit quite good enough. It's just where are those gaps going to be, and are they essentially fatal gaps to the defense? Right. Right. And. Yeah, and I don't know. It, I don't it, know. I mean, that's... Just, you're know. right. We don't know. It, it just seems like there's one where it's going to be very, very, uh, I guess, will produce negative results frequently, and that'd be if their run yeah. defense is bad. Right. Well, and I mean, if the run defense is bad, then the Browns can't control possession, mm-hmm. right? Like, a game against the Titans, where last year we really ended up controlling possession of the ball, that's what won us the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Baker played decently and Chubb had a phenomenal game, but like that was what won us the game. Yeah. And if all of a sudden the run defense is bad enough, and Vernon had a great game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the run defense is bad enough, then the Titans don't lose possession and the Browns don't win the game. Yeah. And then you look at the, the flip side of when their run defense is atrocious, like the Raider game, where right. it was six possessions for the entire game and then it was over. Right. That's what it'll be like. Like that—that's my worry against those teams. Yeah, and I think that's something that we'll 
we'll all be worried about for the Browns defense moving forward. But you know what? Uh, I think this is a good place to wrap this up this week. Um, Definitely. Or for this particular episode, just, you know, some some defenses getting some good ideas. We had some, I guess, pretty good discussion that kind of flowed kind of nicely from topic yeah. to topic. Uh, yeah. But as always, uh, I'm James Mastrucci. Check things out on thisisbelieveone.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe to this podcast. And Jordan Cohen will always be here when I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns. And we'll look forward to listening uh, when you come and listen to us next time. Yep, thank you. Thank you.